She said she loved her butt. And I'm going, what? 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 Hey guys, welcome to episode 212 of the podcast. I am on the side of You're the Worst, and that was an improvised... Uh, oh no, they're going into a rap battle now. Uh, I don't have any shoutouts because I'm recording this in advance because our wonderful Katie is actually going out of town, uh, so I'll catch up on shoutouts soon, but um, I'll leave you with whatever is happening again on You're the Worst. Now entering Nerdist.com. This we'll warm, t- right we'll here. touch on teen years. We'll touch on it. We'll graze it. Okay. Maybe we'll dive. Maybe we'll dive deep into it. I don't know. Okay. I don't listen. I'm not in charge. Let's see where it goes. The muse is in charge. The muse. Ew. The muse of conversation. Self-loathing. <laughs> I summon the muse. I summon a teenage muse. She yeah. has braces and pimples, <laughs> and she's wonderful. I can picture her. Yeah. Every time I do a show with you where there's music, and in this case, we did not even end up singing the song that we were going to sing at Outside Lands, I think about your baritone. I have a deep, dulcet baritone. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought to myself, I'm going to warn you in advance in a way I maybe have never warned any boy of summer that I will ask you to sing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer at the end of this podcast. Okay. So if we end up taking any kind of a break, if you need that time to refresh, it shan't be long. Oh, no. I, I but I, I've been, I'm, I have already jumped ahead and laughed to myself <laughs> about you singing. Okay. Because you're also, you're also so, like your self-aware earnest knowing that we as your friends will be laughing <laughs> but there's nothing unbeautiful about it okay it's yeah. just it's your expression it's just great it's just great <laughs> i will sing it yeah i, I, I already that. know the snippet i'm gonna say okay good oh yeah. wonderful <laughs> did you um sing when you like as uh, or do you consider yourself a person who sings i was not a singer growing up the first time i really had to sing was in college uh, in musical theater. Yeah. And I was in the Canterbury Tales, the musical. Let's take a quick pause so I can <laughs> embrace that. That's a thing. Which should not be a musical. <laughs> it really, uh, it's, it's very 60s Amazing. and it's never revived for a reason. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a terrible musical. What, does each character get to sing a little song? Like, yeah. They sing it's a just song like the knight has a tale of... and the uh, wife of Bath has a tale and oh you know the Canterbury I Tales. Do. I'm not going to bore you with the various pilgrims I mean, who are on their way to Canterbury. probably named the only two I could have named, but <laughs> I'm sure if I... The best song in it was not a song that I got, but I Am All Ablaze was the big showstopper. Oh, my. <laughs> and it was sung by one of the more flaming guys in our theater department. So. <laughs> <laughs> Perfection. I am all ablaze. Oh, God. Oh, I am all ablaze. <laughs> With passion and ardor, it, I guess. It, it's when, and, and what you've described and the fact that it was very 60s, it does sound like 
someone was like, we need to inject the same kind of social significance that hair yes. has. I think it was very, I don't know if it was Canterbury after hair, Tales? but it was in that same kind of vein yeah. of like little rock musical yeah. uh, Canterbury Tales kind of vibe. I really missed out on that genre of musicals. The only thing I ever did that was from that world was like when I was in musical theater in eighth grade, we did like... um a sort of review show because it gave a ton of people stuff to do. And my teacher, Miss Williams, taught the beginning, intermediate, advanced dance classes and taught musical theater. Mm -hmm. So she had all of these different classes. It was a great idea. She had all of these different classes preparing different things. And I think it was called Sentimental. Yeah, it was called Sentimental Journey. Okay. And so we had performances of things from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And so, you know, there would be like in the 80s, I remember I danced in Thriller, but I also, you know, sang something from the musical theater song. Yeah. We definitely had Cats. Age of Aquarius is <laughs> yeah. in, in the sixties. It's gotta be. Did a dance to it? I don't remember singing it, so we must have been dancing to it in Unitar. But not, like, not stripping nude. Dance. Not stripping <laughs> God, what if she had the, our Lester. college had done hair a few years before I was there, and it was a big deal in conservative Virginia. Sure. That there were I think there were there was like one guy who was willing to get nude. <laughs> And run around, and that was it. Did did everyone else wear like nude colored bodysuits or something? <laughs> I and wish. Also, I wish. I mean, why do it? Why do it? We used to have backstage at Second City. There was a full on anatomically correct female and male nude uh, bodysuits. Really? That sometimes, if we were bored, we would just oh, change into God. and walk around backstage. Why wouldn't and- you? Why wouldn't you? And also, why were they there? <laughs> well, because it's a sketch comedy theater and probably somebody bought them for some sketch that probably never made it like years ago. And then <gasps> like all did. the remnants of previous yeah. cut sketches are just sitting around the, graveyard the theater. Buried hopes. Yes. And body parts <laughs> yeah. on as as printed on and fabric. fake dicks. Yes. And fake dicks. <laughs> um so yeah, so you I, avoid. So you avoided. I was very self conscious about to singing sing in high school. Were you doing theater and you just kind of said, "I'm not that guy." I was in band. What uh, did you play in band? I played uh, alto sax in concert band and tenor okay. sax in marching band. Oh, double up. Yeah, doubled up. You know, well, you that. played this the lighter one sitting down and the heavier one standing. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Crazy. I guess I thought that tenor would be more badass for marching mm-hmm. band. Maybe sure. I don't know. I wasn't particularly good at either one. Yeah. It's the same uh, fingering, so you don't have to learn a new instrument, really. You just need to adjust to the size. And you have the... to, when you're holding it, you have to speak at a lower tone, which you also can do if you need to take it down yes. further. My voice, by the way, changed when I was 13. Oh, yeah. Is that, so, is that faster than most boys? Maybe that's typical, but I guess it. I was. Imagine me with this voice, but my head. <laughs> is half the size that it is now, (laughs) but my ears and nose are the same size Uh that they are now. So I felt like puberty, like my ears and nose grew to full adult size (laughs) while my head remained tiny and my voice was deep. And... And I had braces as well. So just a horrific package all around. Uh, and acne, yeah. too. So I, I was just rocking everything. Was your voice, because your voice is so low, Did it? was it one of those very dramatic, like your voice cracks and, and you go through the period where it's cracking like in a comedic way? <laughs> like Peter Brady? <laughs> That's exactly what I 
<laughs> when it's time to change, then it's time to change. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was as comical as that, but it must have happened like almost overnight. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was super nasal too. So it was like nasal and deep. I really cringe when I hear or see recordings of me. <laughs> From that age. When was the last time you saw a recording from that age? And I say that because I couldn't tell you when I saw or if I've seen something from that period of time. Well, we had one of the first uh, VHS cameras of anybody that I knew of. Big time me right now. (laughs) We were pretty fancy. I get it. The Kikowskis in 1982 Uh were pretty, pretty damn fancy. And this was something that was like, it was practically the size of like a camera that like a TV news crew would be carrying around. That is a, that was a huge monster. You would really be serious about like, no, I, we're going to capture these moments. First of all, it's got to be hold big enough to hold a VHS tape. (laughs) That gives anyone any sense of that. For those of you who don't know how big that is. I don't know what to tell you. Two uh, pieces of toast uh, sitting yeah. side by side. It's about the size of two pieces of toast. I guess. Yeah. The thickness also of two. And the layers thickness of, of toast. two pieces of toast. So four pieces four of, toast of toast combined four is about a VHS tape. I don't yeah. know what you're toasting, but let's yeah. just imagine a standard wonder standard bread, standard, standard bread. wonder white bread. Yeah. Um, actually, now that I think about it, the, the tape was in like a portable. VHS that my dad had to carry around, which was attached to a camera, Are which was serious? attached to a battery. Oh, so there were God. three that things is a huge undertaking. you needed to carry uh, around just to film. And where, where was this? Was this Virginia or you went to school in Virginia? Virginia. Yeah. 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 I grew up in North, Northern Virginia, D.C. suburbs. Gotcha. Because my dad worked for the government. All right. All right. Uh, I can't you're divulge. To, no, you're not can't the divulge only one. exactly what he did. Is that true? Uh, no, he was. <laughs> <laughs> He was not CIA or anything like that. I, this there, exact joke might have been made before. I have a vague memory of someone whose parents worked in the government who lived in Northern Virginia and me for one second thinking like, here we go. Yeah. And no. They We're going to get totally, into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He worked for the Department of Energy. Okay. Um, and he regulated like. Listen, uh, if anyone's watched Stranger Things recently, we know sure. the Department of Energy. We know what that means. Some tricky business was going on there. <laughs> yeah. Time travel. They're uh, covering uh, up a nope, whole nope, nope. And, underground yeah. world. Yeah. So your dad knows all about all of the other dimensions. <laughs> he does. As absolutely. the Department of Energy. Yeah. And, you get a couple of beers in him and he will. <laughs> He'll spill his guts. Yeah. So, but he filmed everything. Um, and so we have all this footage of me and my sisters at really awkward ages. And And what are yours? uh, Tell us about your, uh, my sister, Allison is about a year and a half younger than me. Okay. So, uh, around the time that my dad was filming a lot, like I was 13 and she was like 11 and a half, just terrible ages for both of us. Yeah. And then my sister Liz is eight years younger than me and she was actually adorable. So, uh, we have this infamous footage of our Christmas from 1982, uh, that Liz took as a VHS to, uh, she worked at the theater boom Chicago in Mm -hmm. Amsterdam, which is an improv theater there. And she worked there with like, uh, Seth Myers and Josh yeah. Myers, Ike Barinholtz, Jordan Peele, like all those guys worked there so cool. with her at the time. And one of the and one of their favorite hobbies apparently was watching this VHS tape of my family <laughs> from nineteen eighty two. 
and a lot of those guys were friends of mine from Chicago as well. My sister kind of followed in my footsteps in Chicago improv. So these were buddies of mine that were also in Amsterdam with her. And I guess they got high every night and watched this thing. And it's me with the giant nose and the braces and everything. And I got a Groucho Marx ventriloquist doll uh, for my... It's wonderful. (laughs) was my main Christmas present that year. And it's me looking in the camera of like... I shot an elf in my pajamas. How I got my pajamas, I'll never know. <laughs> you know? I'm like, thanks, Dad. This is really cool. Did you were you self conscious about him recording, or did you think like this is great? How did I end up with a dad that wants to record all my wonderful moments? I was the opposite. I my parents were so loving and supportive growing up. Like they really were great parents. That uh, I was. No, I should have been more self-conscious because in school I just got ravaged. Yeah. You know? yeah. Because I was a vulnerable, like sweet kid who like did his Groucho Marx impression <laughs> and shit like You're saying that. that ladies weren't taking their shirts off. No, despite the, the deep voice, right you know, the ladies were yeah. repulsed. Staying shirted. Uh, but I think it's the kind of thing that like bullies like sense out right away, you know, when you have like this kind of sweetness or innocence hey, about you. Yeah. You know, because it's like particularly like middle school is that age where you start putting up barriers you know like you you can't get in here Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until later that i learned to do that Uh you know because i was like earnest i was an earnest kid you know so i got picked on a lot (laughs) uh please don't hit me i know um let me quickly say about boom chicago that i be these guys know i did not um do any sort of improv until i was in my like mid to late 20s and um and i it was very much like i've i spent a lot of my life feeling like i would rather think maybe i'd be good at something than try it and be bad mm-hmm. so that was like improv and comedy are like the top of that list like i would rather have my friends tell me i'm really funny and i should be in comedy <laughs> than go be in comedy and probably be awful <laughs> right cuz there's work and yeah, yeah because there's, there's work there's growing yeah, pains yeah and the last thing you want to do is find out about yourself that you have no potential at all because when you try to realize it it just disappears um and so when i but even when i I think came here or started like auditioning for stuff here. I was doing sketch in San Francisco. I remember hearing about boom Chicago and I have not thought about boom Chicago for a very, very long time. And that to me was like, it, it it sounded like because I like traveling and I had been to Europe a couple of times, but that wasn't something I did with my family. You know, it was like, I'd been to France twice um, and maybe nowhere else at that point. It just sounded like, magic like magic exotic like like that's a thing i could never be part of this idea that you would be an american comedian young person who got to somehow be in amsterdam and do comedy just seemed like well that's a part see that's a perfect example i'll never be able to do that like nothing right that's the beginning of things not working out for me i would never be picked to do that do you know what i mean so you blame boom chicago i blame boom chicago for being too intimidating the first thing i ever really understood yeah it's really cool what they've created because the the guys who started it were started with me uh at io in the early 90s so they were in the chicago improv world yeah and they were vacationing in amsterdam and they're just like sitting at a hash bar like getting high like looking around it's like why is there no comedy here like we could create this 
And the first few years, it was really just like renting out a space and flyering on the street. But by the end of the 90s, they had their own theater, which is like 200 plus seats. They have a restaurant. They have a training center. They do corporate work. And now it's been around for over 20 years. And they've trained so many great people like those people I mentioned before. You know? Yeah. And my sister uh, was a part of that. And they, they try to hire people like in their early 20s, you know, who can go to because you've got to sign at least a year contract. Okay. Like, who oh, com- I didn't know that. Who gotcha. can commit to like moving to Amsterdam mm-hmm. and just living there, mm-hmm. you know, doing the American expat yeah. thing. Yeah. Was that something that you felt interested in after the fact? Like, oh, they, I wish I would have been. They asked been, me to do it the first couple years and uh, I was too scared. Yeah. Too scared to oh. leave Chicago. Like I had a good thing going in Chicago. I had a girlfriend at the mm-hmm. time that I didn't want to leave and like it was just seemed too daunting to yeah. me. So I can relate. Yeah. Did you, do you, did you have any regrets about that? I doubt you did. You don't seem like a gr- regretful type. No, no. I never look back. There you go. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, we've I'm, got a surprise for you. You are moving to Amsterdam for what? one year. <laughs> Janet, you didn't Every have to do that. Your life Sorry, Carla. Carla will not be joining you. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, yay, yay. Did you do, did you have a sense of like wanting to do comedy stuff too when you were in high school or did you... Was it in a vague music? way, like not Probably in a like that's going to be my career. Yeah. Thing. Like in a nerdy, I'm a fan of these things way. Absolutely, or, yeah. yeah. My best friend Toby and I met when we were about seven, and he lived down the street from me. He was four houses away, and we were exactly alike in every way. Like we had the same taste in mm-hmm. everything. We Does, lo- was that an area where a lot of people's parents worked for the government? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his dad, I think, uh, had something to do with the Navy, I think, was mm-hmm. his uh, career. Yeah, everybody in the area that I grew up was either military or government or FBI academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up close to Quantico, where the FBI academy mm-hmm. from Sounds of the Lambs yeah. is. There's also a Marine base there. So, yeah, and it, it's very uh, transitive as a result. Like, people yeah. are always moving in and out because, you know, they're getting transferred sure. elsewhere, you know. Uh, but Toby was the, my standby friend, you know, and that we were together such for a great name for a best friend. Too. Yeah. It's like right out of a book. Toby. It's such <laughs> I a know. cute name. To this day, it's probably the number one name I use in improv for a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. Toby. Just to, uh, just to honor him. Uh, he was much more of a Renaissance man than I was. Like he could sing, he could also play any instrument that he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a great sense of humor. Like he was popular with the ladies too. Mm. So like I lived vicariously through him a lot. He was much more outgoing yeah. uh, than I was. But that was never a conflict between you two. You were never like, no, though, I'm pretty tired of you always getting the attention. <laughs> in high school, we started to go our separate ways a little bit like in like high school cliques. Mm-hmm. Like he fell in with a more of like a stoner and metalhead crowd. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot? No. Heavy Metal Parking Lot is a document of uh, a Judas Priest concert from Meriwether Post Pavilion in uh, Maryland. So that was like, uh, or was the Capitol Center? It was at the Capitol Center, which is where the Washington Bullets and Washington Capitals Uh played. So that was a big place to go for concerts. So you you can watch it online later today, but uh, it's this document called Heavy Metal Parking Lot. Okay. And it's all these stoners that are just there tailgating, waiting to see a Judas Priest concert. Uh 
And the, these guys filmed this documentary like 30 years ago and it uh, it became one of those tapes that people just circulated mm-hmm. and bands started to find it and it, it went the early equivalent of viral. viral it was yeah. viral before YouTube. Yeah, um, which is quite an accomplishment. Anyway, all the kids in the heavy metal parking lot look exactly like the metal heads from my school uh-huh. and probably <laughs> and those are the people Toby ended up falling in yeah. with. Did you uh, feel, did, was there that draw at all for you with those guys or was it just like not even an option? Was so some like, of them were my friends too because yeah. some of them were in marching band, but I was in more of the, uh, like the gifted kid. Uh, the gifted kid. Yeah, isn't that awful? Much better for bullies. Much better for bullies to get to, pick <laughs> yes. on, identify. Like, it's no these people right here. No one's really. I mean, maybe someone, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Punch these people. Yeah. <laughs> basically... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was in a gifted program called Signet. Oh, that is very pretentious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a Signet ring. It must, yeah, it yeah. might have also been an acronym for something, right. but I don't know. Hmm. Uh, but superior. I was. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> it's superior, intelligent, gifted, natural, educated teens. That natural. <laughs> <laughs> the natural. Is They're just favorite. natural. Naturally. <laughs> Uh, so I was in that, you know, uh, but I wasn't actually a good student. I was just in like the advanced classes and yeah. like the gifted program. So you would have been like an A plus student in the regular classes, but as a gifted <laughs> student, you were very average. Uh, I think just cause I was lazy and I was a procrastinator. And if I didn't have a good teacher, like I was very uninterested in yeah. what was going on. Uh, I probably, did you see that then? Cause I do feel like even like in high school, I definitely was like, I don't like you and I don't respect you and I don't think you're a good teacher. I will never be interested in anything you bring to the table versus like, oh, captain, my captain. Like I definitely was. I don't think I was perceptive enough to know they were bad teachers. I think there was just a lot of bad teachers around, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they're just dealing even, I guess not all my classes were gifted because there were some, (laughs) there were some losers in my classes. (laughs) Too, now that I think about it, you know, so of like that, you know, they spend a lot of their time dealing with like discipline issues and right. stuff like that. And the, the more intelligent people don't get challenged as much. Uh, but my senior year, I had a bunch of great teachers and then I finally got, I got like five A's and a B my senior year, which was good enough to get me into college. Luckily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did that, uh, when you were younger, did you have the, I talked to some people on the podcast who really Fairly recently, I feel like like people who are like, oh, yeah, no, listen, I knew in order to get into this college, I had to do da, 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 da. And I was like, I had no, I had none of that. I had no idea. No. I had none of that. I didn't even really start thinking about it to my junior year. Uh, I remember taking the PSATs and then took the SATs. I did good on both. I, like all my testing was mm-hmm. good, which was good. I think that helped too. Yeah, sure sign of laziness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I tested well, but my grades were not that great, but uh yeah, my I I would have loved to like take a year off like after high school. Yeah, but I also like didn't work. You know, either yeah. like I didn't have a job growing. Was that up. something your parents didn't want? Like my dad did not want me to have a job in high school. We they were, never really didn't pushed. have any money, but he was like, "Yeah, this is not the time." They never pushed me into that. No. you know, uh, I I probably got you know a small allowance, you know, and did chores around the home, but yeah, I didn't have to have a demeaning teenage summer <laughs> summer job i did work at a video store between my junior and senior year and that was it okay like that's not like, bad that's a that seems like it'd be a pretty choice it was job perfect for a, for a movie nerd yeah. like myself yeah. yeah 
Did you, did Toby also? So Toby stayed with it. But by then, you guys weren't as tight, but. We were still tight. I think, you know, the thing I wanted to say about him was that we put on puppet shows together, like growing up. We would like do comedy routines, like we would put in a cassette tape and just like, and it, it's what improv is. Yeah. You know, I just didn't know that it was a thing at the yep. time and we would just create characters and riff with each other. And then we would, once we had the VHS camera, we started making our own little movies and mm-hmm. stuff, you know, the kind of thing that kids could put on YouTube on the same day today, yeah. Yeah. you know, but these were things that were just for us. Maybe better that they yeah. were. We recorded an album called dance music for Italian rabbis. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> we recorded an album called Dance Music for Italian Rabbis. <laughs> that was all we we recorded songs on like a Casio keyboard yeah. and he would play all of the instruments. Uh Yeah, I guess I did sing on that, but I was so bad and I would usually do like a charactery voice. So of like you'll, it, you'll you'll realize I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh it was me trying to channel myself through somebody else because I had no idea how to sing. Yeah. Yeah, we had songs like I like slugs. Um, dance. Was there? So, I like slugs doesn't necessarily in title alone suggest to me that it is for that it is dance music and also for Italian rabbis. It's for neither. We uh-huh. just thought that was a funny random name. Now that would be the name of an improv group in college. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what else did we do? Uh, I took a trip to Africa. Was one the fly? Oh, wow, the flying yak of Romania. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So we were These really, are all, you really we're very branched out. Cosmopolitan. You, were very, you were very culturally inclusive. Yes. Um, dance Your Buns Off. Dance Your Buns Off is a little more, sounds like an 80s aerobics uh, situation. Big, big Banana. Big Banana. Definitely an improv group. <laughs> Guarantee it. Big Banana, sail across the sea. <laughs> Buy a postcard and send it back to me, back to me. That's one. That's a That's real one. That's one of the songs, yeah. It Makes Me Barf was another one. <laughs> my other best friend growing up was uh, Sean, and Toby and Sean came to my wedding when Carla and I got married about four years ago, and they surprised me by bringing in a guitar and singing uh, It Makes Me Barf to uh, everybody at the wedding. That is... That is like a dream to me. I mean, that is like, oh, perfect. Like, thank God you had that song and those friends. Yeah. It feels very, like, enviable to me. I, I, I cry laughed all the way through I'm it. I'm sure you did. Yeah. I mean, so he was always the guy that was kind of like... Did you go to school with Sean also, or was it like, did you guys go to the same school? Sean and I went to elementary school together, and then separate middle schools, and then he joined us back again for high school. Gotcha. And then I ended up rooming with him my freshman year of college, too. Oh, nice. Yeah, so uh, those are... Uh, I'm not as in contact with them as I used to be, but they were, they were kind of my lifelong yeah. childhood friends, uh, and we were all kindred spirits in terms of uh just doing goofy artsy things That's great did you do any sports at all i played soccer till i was about 12 mm-hmm. um and i was also asthmatic growing oh, up don't bury the lead like that <laughs> i was asthmatic and had severe allergies so sports were hard because i would get out oh, of breath very bullies. easily yeah another thing for the bullies yeah. they love inhalers and sure they do and uh, orthodontics oh, God. You know, all those oh. warning signs yeah 
Uh, and I had asthma attacks fairly often That's until, really scary. until I mean, my I mid-teens. Ever, I didn't have, I had one friend that I can think of who had asthma and um, to this day it remains one of those afflictions that I know is manageable and common. Yeah. But the idea of not being able to breathe was Ter- it remains terrifying to me like oh that's a really scary feeling particularly for a child and then when you're stressed then it only yeah. exacerbates it yeah. you know yeah it was it was really scary and uh to this day i do not drink coffee uh i never acquired a taste for it but if uh, if your uh, armchair is sigmund freud it's partially because when i was having an asthma attack and we didn't have an inhaler handy my parents would give me coffee to oh drink. oh really because that the caffeine gets your the- heart pumping yeah 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 and uh opens up the passages oh, again and it so really medicine basically it really does you. work yeah. yeah but i think i associate those asthma attacks with coffee I'm and sure you do that is absolutely why i do not drink it yeah to this day. i don't know why you would would they <laughs> would they just um if it was an emergency would they would they be like uh do you take two lumps or would you like some cream or would they just like give you black coffee and you would have to drink it yeah, no, because that m- really is i mean that's a terrible taste even they made me chug it yeah i, I remember just having asthma attacks in the middle of the night like waking my parents up at 2 a.m 3 a.m you know and sitting up with them as they Mm. you know uh gave me medicine or you know coffee or whatever and then you've just had caffeine so you're then up all night (laughs) night. you know so you can't can't go back to sleep you know did you read comic books and stuff i did yeah i actually when you asked for me for my photo i had to go through my drawer of memorabilia or my uh which I have in my attic mm-hmm. <laughs> at home here. I think my parents have the bulk of my actual teenage photos. I sent you a uh, my graduation, yeah, uh, high school graduation mouth open photo. photo. It's terrific. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then opening that, I found about 200 comic books from oh, the wow. late 70s, early 80s, okay. which would be worth something if they, they didn't have Slurpee stains uh-huh. all over them. <laughs> Uh, my friend Sean, who I talked about before, was like the first kid I knew who actually would like immediately put the comic in uh, in the sleeve, yeah. you know, to preserve. I was never that kid, for and sure. he's got a valuable collection yeah. to this day, which he, you know, he pays to have in some sort of you know high tech locker, probably. Yeah. Oh, you I'm know, sure because it's it's worth With something. Like an eye, eye scan, thumbprint. Uh, yeah. To get in. <laughs> I yeah I didn't and not to misspeak I didn't read comics, but in. But it, with anything that I was into, the idea that I would... First of all, my tastes would change. So I, it's hard for me to imagine having an, the sense of anything sta- being valuable. Yeah. Because I feel like as soon as I stopped liking it, no part of me was like, although someone will think this is valuable someday. Like to me, it was garbage the second just get rid, I got, get tired rid of it. it. Yeah. yeah. Real perjure. Like yeah. I'm never going to want this. I remember... Um, my mom had some, this is actually quite sad, but my mom had some recordings of me as a baby. And um, when I was like 10 or something, I think at the height of me also like hating my mom. So it was, I'm sure as much about that as anything else. I just took those tapes and recorded like Casey Kasem's top 40 over them. Just took them, <laughs> recorded right over them. was like, who cares? And now I hate that child. Now oh. I'm like, my baby recordings of yeah. like me making up so- like songs and stories in the bathtub and stuff that my mom like 
oh, not terrible. You have no sense of time or history as a kid. It's like yeah. it's all about this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah. yeah. But the idea of being a collector on some level, just that, that with the idea of longevity. Yeah. I just that was totally foreign to me. And I have friends who did the same thing. And I just go, how did you know? I could yeah. barely think about the next day. It's strange. I definitely had like that full set of Star Wars action figures, the original set yeah. that are like worth hundreds of dollars, if not thousands yeah. today. Yeah. And they all, you know, eventually like you, you lose the lightsaber and the, you know, pistol yeah. and the cape falls because off and then an arm falls off. With. Yeah. Cause I played with them Yeah, like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I was done with stuff like that, I couldn't wait to get rid of it. Yeah. Could not wait. Uh, the Casey Kasem top 40 was big for me, too. I don't know if you've talked about that with a lot of people. I haven't really, this. to be really? honest with you. I barely <laughs> talked about it at all. Uh, like, I, what was I doing? I needed to record it. After I heard it, I needed to listen to it again. I, I mean, I guess I want to hear the songs. I but. didn't tape it every week, but I did listen to it every week. Yeah. And I would write down the top 40, and oh, I would God, keep, keep my own list. <laughs> And then I would write like up two notches, like mm-hmm. I would put an asterisk next to the debuts, you know. I mean, that's, and I and I and I use this term with utter respect, and I know it gets overused, but that the the tendency to kind of become obsessed with lists like that is can potentially be slightly spectrum to sort of have yes. this like need to categorize, and it might come from the same place. Like I think I went through pockets like that where I was very interested in recording time passing right in a way that I guess I wasn't acknowledging it wasn't like about mortality or anything like that but there was like some need to have order in my life yeah. and somehow someone else's list became important for me to be very familiar with yeah do you know what I mean I I don't know where I am on the spectrum I'm somewhere there you yeah. know on the high functioning end yeah. but I know that feeling of just wanting order and I think that's how I got my obsession with lists like that early which i'm excited that you have now turned into something it's now going to be a podcast i'm turning into something hopefully productive yeah yeah Yeah, my wife carla and i are doing a podcast called craigslist where i make her watch my 100 favorite movies in sequential order so no brainer great idea so far we've recorded 100 through 97 okay all right uh and the the first one's out already so what was the what's the first movie the first one was uh federico fellini's la dolce vita okay that's my hundred and has that list changed (laughs) oh yeah over time when is that I, a tough process for you to bump somebody and move things around? And yeah, do you, it is. Does something move around for you? Like this was 70. You know what? I just watched it again. It's 34. Yes. It does? Yes, <laughs> that's absolutely. That's exactly that's how it great. works. Well, that's a, for and, some reason, that seems like it's a lot to keep track of to even shift things around and yeah. sort of know. And it, people are completely confounded by it. Of like, uh, people... Uh, I, I discovered that everybody's brain does not work the way that mine does. Yeah. People are like, oh, I have no idea. I guess I like Waiting for Guffman, you know. Uh, right. And like, I can watch that movie a lot. Do you have <laughs> the top 100? Have you looked at that list now because you've managed it for so many years? Because this is something you started in high school, right? Yeah. Is that something that it kind of lives in your brain? A hundred things living in your brain with some level of comfort? Or do you can you conjure 20 of the 100 off the top of your head? <laughs> uh I could not recite them in order. Yeah. Uh, if if you really made me think about it for the next half hour, I could probably tell you the hundred titles. Yeah, that's you know, great. but I have to rack my brain for it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they're all they're all on my computer. You know, I keep a top twenty five for every movie year since nineteen eighty nine. Okay. As well as my ten favorite actors, actresses, supporting actors, supporting actresses, and directors. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. 
I, I got to back up every year. Supporting every year, I do this. The supportings, yeah. The support. So <laughs> so the best supporting actor, and so you're coming up with your own version of what that means as well, because it's not like there. Are I don't 10 necessarily know who's submitting to the or, Academy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Academy, and what category. Like yeah. You're, and and how often are you personally? Putting someone on a list like for a performance for a movie that would never be in your top twenty-five is that pretty common? Yeah, sometimes there's a performance I like, but you're the, like, the I did movie, not care that much for that movie, but also so this much. guy goes on my list of top ten supportings <laughs> yeah, for this year. Absolutely, great. Yeah. Do you and, find that there's a consistency among actors? Like, do you does, uh, do the same actors come up for you year after year? Yeah, a lot of the same actors. Can and you give me like a a, a a person you can think of off the top of your head? Um, in 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 lead actor and actress that you've seen pop up a lot in your own list. Uh, Denzel Washington is usually going to be on there if he's in a movie that mm-hmm. year. Uh, I, I love him to death. Um, is that because you grew up near Washington D.C.? <laughs> I don't know, Janet. That seems <laughs> seems like a stretch. Guys, wait. I really cracked some things wide open psychologically <laughs> for Craig. But wait, I did grow up in Denzel, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Strange! Wow, yeah, we did it. Things are really coming to the, <laughs> coming to the forefront. Um, who else do I love? Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Jeff Daniels. That's a lot of guys. I need some women. Oh, uh, well, Meryl. But if you're of like, course. I mean, I don't think women are good per se, so I have to. <laughs> women aren't funny or dramatic. Uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> everybody knows. I that. do it based on cl- costumes. <laughs> For best lead actress, it's just based on their costumes. Uh, Emma Thompson is probably on there a lot. It's been a while since I've talked about how I'm supposed to be friends with Emma Thompson. And not yet. <laughs> but I may have talked about it on yeah. Lola's episode. And Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Yeah. Yeah. You wanted to go to Oxford in the... Uh, I really did. Early 80s, really probably, did. late 70s. I, really yeah. I wanted to be... That's another like untouchable, not unlike Boom Chicago, this idea of being from a small country where the educational system is fantastic uh-huh. and you're going to be classically trained in Shakespeare and then also do like wacky sketch comedy. Yes. It just seemed like, no, that's not... That's, that's not my life. I'll never have that life. That's you know? the life. Yeah. yeah. They've got that training over there. They really nailed Classically it. Classically trained yeah. is what they say. Yeah. Nobody really yeah. knows what that means, <laughs> but they're classically <laughs> trained. Classically trained. Classically. Yeah. That really could mean almost anything. Yeah. Recent years, I like, uh, I like Rachel Weiss a lot. Mm-hmm. I like Michelle Williams. Did you see The Lobster? I did. Did you like it? I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how I felt about it. I sort of feel like. Yeah. I I went into it expecting like this is totally up my alley. Like I love like a good dark comedy. I love like deadpan. Yeah. Uh, I thought uh, Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz were both very good in it. I was mostly on board. Uh, Once, spoilers, they killed the dog. Carla and I had a big problem with that. That's a, they, that's a, I didn't even know when I was watching that, uh, Brandon said, that's, that, that's, that, well, that's on, uh, does the dog die.com. And I I was like, I've never (laughs) felt more sure that this is a thing everyone knows about except me (laughs) once again, because I'm never online. Yeah. Uh, in in a way that would facilitate me knowing that I, I I hesitate to say that because I obviously like tweet and I'm on Facebook but like I never look at anyone else's feed I just go on there real quick to be like I got to say this one thing I got to get in get out or I'll be on here forever kind of thing so, so I didn't know that was a thing 
And I now that's know something that's that dog thing. lovers uh, wondering if there's it's, a trigger. Yeah, there's just like a there's a there's yeah. a list. Somebody is very uh, consciously keeping a list of whether uh, Every movie. a dog and and maybe an animal of any kind okay. is killed, uh, and that that will be like a, a a deal breaker for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I I wanted to like the lobster more than I did. I think it is still worth watching because it's so unique, mm-hmm. you know. And like that filmmaker has such a unique voice. Mm-hmm. He did Dogtooth as well, which yeah. is another movie I found interesting but didn't like that, that much. It's the same kind you know? of like, and I'm trying to remember, I, I'm. it's possible I read so much about Dogtooth, I just know what it's about and right. haven't seen it. Yeah. But it. But in terms of this idea of like creating a world where there's a set of rules that are like kind of unspoken going in, that he set up this, this series of rules about this world you're going into, but he never says, oh, by the way, here's the cheat sheet. Here's the, the list of rules. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Where yeah. you're like, oh, this is just a reality. This is an alternate reality, whether yeah. it's it, this tiny microcosmic alternate reality within a household or this whole world where for some reason, if you fall out of love with someone or they fall out of you, love with you, you have X amount of time to fall in love again before you get turned into an animal. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, that's that's the rules, I guess. I did love that aspect of it. I do like those kind of movies where you got to yeah. figure out the rules as you go mm-hmm. along. I just felt that it was crueler and more depressing than I w- had been led to believe. Well, what was know? interesting... Well, I don't disagree with that. And what's interesting about that, too, is because I think I remember saying, like, shortly after... Respoiler alert, the dog dies. Um, <laughs> guys, it's not a major plot point, but it is, I think, a good representation of what doesn't maybe work about the movie for yes. some people, because I agree. Uh, was like there wasn't a big enough difference between the character that did that and every other character. Right. It was like, hmm, wouldn't any of them do- Like, they just all started to seem like, well, everyone in this is a sociopath, so yeah. I guess I'm not really that surprised. Yeah. I don't know. And because everybody's kind of in that vein of disaffected and, you know, deadpan, yeah. uh, which is just that filmmaker's style, you don't really care that much right. about uh, anything. So, like, the uh, the ideas better be damn clever right, right. in order to support it when you're not going to be able to right. care about a character. What do you think, you know? if you can, what do you think is a good example of, like, sort of all of those things working well together and creating a great movie? I know I'm really putting a lot of pressure on you right now. It's almost like I'm playing this mash game before we're playing the mash game. <laughs> so, but you know, what can I say? You put tickled part of my brain. Mm. A movie with an alternate reality where the rules I mean, for people that have world made that comparison with like set up. Eternal Sunshine, for example. But that's, that's sort a- of, but that's sort of like the the world is normal, but this one thing exists that makes it not normal. Yeah, if, if you make that choice, opposed to like Brazil or you know some other. Yeah, the, the, uh, those are both great examples. Uh, I think Eternal Sunshine, like, is that movie where it just works. Yeah, uh, like the world that they set up works. I really love Michelle Gondry. I like The Science of Sleep is another movie that I like a lot. Yeah, uh, by him. Uh, I, I like Spike Jones, yeah. you know, and Charlie Kaufman. Uh, yep, so yep. all of those Great. guys make movies uh, in their own very particular vein. But I think they give you enough resources to have like, okay, I can figure out this world. And then, for example, like Kate Winslet is so um, appealing in mm-hmm. that movie, too, yeah. you know, that you can buy into of like, uh, she's that girl you fall in love with that would be worth 
forgetting about and then falling in love with all Absolutely. over again. You know, Absolutely. So like the, the fact that you care about the characters a little more, I think makes well, the difference. Well, that's a giant difference, right? I mean, that yeah. is, I would have, if having <clears throat> read all of those compare, like the comparisons where that seems to be the one that gets called up the most, that is a glaring difference yeah. that you should not see this movie expecting a feeling like you get from Eternal Sunshine because that one is all heart. You know what I mean? I mean, it is really wearing its heart on its sleeve and yes. all of the characters in that are very raw yeah. on some level, whether or not it's Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet or, you know, yeah. uh, Kristen Dunst or whoever it is that I'm thinking of who does a great job. Right. Uh, and Mark Ruffalo is in it too? No. Yes. The Whoever there are the people that are kind of inside administering to him. Yeah. All are great. Yeah. Um, and I should point out that like Charlie Kaufman does not work for me as well when he directs his own stuff because mm. I did not care for Synecdoche or Anomalisa. I haven't seen Anomalisa because I totally my brain wiped clean uh Schenectady Synecdoche yeah. or whatever. It just wiped it clean. I have like no memory of it. You don't need to see it again. Trust yeah. me, because I did watch it a second yeah. time. <laughs> Because I was convinced I, I had missed something the right, first right, time around. Right, yeah. And I also like went through a Philip Seymour Hoffman binge after his death. Sure. Because uh, I wanted to revisit as many of his great performances as Absolutely. possible. And Kaufman, without the whimsy of Gondry or Spike Jones, is too bleak. Uh, and it's because like Michelle Gondry and, and Spike Jones just have so much amusement mm-hmm. with how, you know, whether it's serious or whether it's funny, uh, they they bring a lot of life to the way mm-hmm. they shoot things. I think and, that's how I feel too about um, Noah Baumbach. Mm-hmm. Like he, I he needs somebody who really believes in like magic and hope yes. to balance out Wes Anderson. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Right. Oddly enough, we just, the podcast I just recorded earlier today with Carla was squid and the whale and oh, Noah, wow. Noah Baumbach. Movie. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. That one will it's be on your out. top 100 though. So it's you number know. 98. Yeah. That yeah. was a, I think it's brilliant. I I've seen it once. I remember it very, very well. And I saw it maybe in the theater if yeah. not shortly thereafter, but it was one that I was like, I'm, I, I probably won't ever see this again. And it reminded me a lot of like how I processed what my parents' relationship was as a child and that kind of thing. And I was like, nope, I, that's all. It all just got right in there. Like flicked a button, you know, pressed a bunch of familiar buttons. And I was like, well done everybody. I'm not going to watch you again. Yeah. It brought up those exact things for Carla because her parents divorced at about the same age as the younger kid in this movie. And it's, uh, it's, it's funny, but it's pretty bleak yeah. too. But and then again, like I love the Ice Storm, which is a very bleak movie. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I love that movie. You know, not on the top hundred. Not on the top hundred. But uh, but very good movie. That's definitely in my top one hundred. Okay. I feel like I could. I I wonder what I would squeeze onto the. Obviously, squeeze on. But now I'm worried I don't have a top one hundred. <laughs> I feel I have. I the, the the thing that I came up with on this podcast that I that I feel is true is like. That I feel like I have, for me, it's like 25, mm-hmm. but it's almost like, it's like, it's in my top five. Like there are certain things that I love so much. I'm like, oh, it's in my top five or top 10, yeah. but there's like 50 things that are in my top 10. Yeah. Like they, there's no difference between one and the other <laughs> in terms of rank. It becomes like, oh, oh, the ice storm, oh, broadcast news. And you'd be like, which one do you like more? And I'd be like, no, 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 no. They're the same. They're, yeah. in, this, they're in a pool of 50 things that are my quote unquote top 10. You yeah. Know? 
depends how I'm feeling that day or whatever. Yeah. yeah which I've seen more recently. I think it, it helped that I've done the list since I was a teen because I was very meticulous about it. And I probably, when I first did it, I'd probably seen exactly a hundred movies. <laughs> You know? really so like at the end, I'm like, I think I watched half of Victor Victoria on HBO. That, that'll right. be number 93 or right. whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, I do love Victor Victoria. That's in my top 100. <laughs> there we go. See, I'm helping. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> uh, but I, a lot of the movies that were on the original list 30 years ago are still there today. Yeah. You know, of course. Do like you feel some, like there's a balance of classics and modern do you feel and is that something you pay attention to do you're like do you kind of look at it like i don't have that many comedies on here but i do have a lot you know i don't deliberately try to create variety yeah um and it really is and how's the um racial uh <laughs> i know you love denzel yeah there's some denzel in there i'm sure maybe i'm calling I'm, con- I'm conjuring i'm calling back uh my my episode with your wife which i reference all the time because we had a real i was one of my favorite discussions i've had on the podcast because it was uncomfortable it was two white <laughs> women talking about you know how uh gender and and race is represented in yeah. comedy and uh and i really got a lot out of it so i still think about it because yeah. she really made me think you know and hopefully vice versa but i remember seeing do the right thing in an all-black theater in uh in charlotte north carolina the day it came out oh yeah and me and my buddy were uh probably the only two white people in the theater and that was real interesting to yeah yeah see that experience uh from the other side yeah you know and that that's that and malcolm x i think are uh spike lee's best movies mm-hmm. neither one's in the top 100 but <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Spike. <laughs> Spike, could you come in here, please? Yeah, so I want you to say it to his face. I probably need some more representation uh, in there. Well, it's hard because that's that's a thing too that I don't think you know when you're a teenager. I, I don't. I'm, listen, let me clarify. I'm not saying that that's true now. I think um, we come from a different era, but um, I, and I think that I was like very. I was racially insensitive as a kid who grew up with like, ugh, this is so boring to repeat, but as a kid who grew up in a school where whites were the minority, that was just like a reality. I paid zero attention to how much that flipped as I became a teenager. And then suddenly all my friends with a handful of exceptions were white. It wasn't ever, it wasn't anything I thought about. It just wasn't a thing where it was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I've lost all my Hispanic girlfriends. Like they went to a different school and that's over. I just didn't think about it. It was like, well, we grew apart. But I didn't think about it in terms of like, oh, now I'm becoming more homogenized in terms of like what my friendships are and stuff. And then once you get into a world like, well, the theater department had actually one of the best cross sections of, you know, of of culture identities and stuff um when I was in college, but still just a lot of a lot of white kids yeah. you know and it's not like i knew i was picking you know it's not like i and san francisco state wildly diverse yeah i don't know that the, i've still in classes with a lot of white kids you know but like where i'm going with this is that when you're a teenage boy you're you you've dealt with your share of bullshit you know it's not like you were captain of the football team uh what movies are going to cry out to you like you're not looking at it as with a critical eye of like Hmm, right. I really needed more Sidney Poitier in my list. You're like, no, I'm responding to this, you know, Albert Brooks movie, or I'm responding to this, uh, whatever, for whatever reason. Yeah. You know? I think uh, as I went through college, uh, there were some good, like, white guilt movies on there, like Driving Miss Daisy and uh, <laughs> Glory, you know? Like, yeah. uh, well, Glory, I think, is, I is pretty, pretty revered. Uh, 
Drag Miss Daisy is a little more embarrassing. It's, it's certainly not on the list now, but I think Morgan Freeman is really wonderful in it. But I think the the reason that I had that on on the list at the time was that Miss Daisy reminded me of my racist grandmother. Oh, well, you know, there you go. There you uh, go. Who was a very difficult woman to get along with and yeah. definitely uh, grew up in the segregated South. And, you know, I just, that was her on screen. So it did mm-hmm. kind of ring with yeah. authenticity. Absolutely. You know. um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we've now outed your grandmother as a terrible, terrible racist. No, I just want to make sure to get that yeah. out there. <laughs> I remember you emailing me. You said, please, if there's one thing we touch yes. on, please make sure that it's that It was a priority, and I'm Jessica glad it's Tandy's there. Character. Yeah. Boy, talk about an adorable woman. That Jessica Tandy. Mm-mm. Fried cream tomatoes, everybody. Uh, okay, listen, I am going to get into this mash uh, game for real. So Let's even though, do it. And we're kind of already there. We've hinted at How it. can I not go right into the you can disappear into the world of uh, three movies that Ooh. are, you're not reliving the plot of the movie, you're just going in and hanging out in that world, whatever that, you're hanging up with the characters, you're just, you know, living in that. Oh, okay. Three. Well... Time bandits. Right. <laughs> I want to, well, which is kind of a cheat in the way because then I can go through any wormhole That's and go through true. any any place in yeah. time. Um, I think it'd be a cheat to do three Terry Gilliam movies, so I think Time Bandits will probably we'll stand in as the representation. But of, like yeah. for uh, just production design and just like the look of that world, absolutely. Um, well, I gotta say, Star Wars. Great. I mean, uh, to be seven years old in 1977 when that movie came out, you know, yeah. my friend Sean, who I referred to before, uh, he used to always say, Star Wars is the most important event of my life. <laughs> <laughs> He's not alone. And he meant it, yeah. He's and there's alone. a lot of people of that era, yeah. like, I can't uh, overstate, like, how important culturally yeah. that was That's like, for that, that was, exact age that I am. For me, I guess that was Tron, although Tron, I was wow, not yeah. a video game player. Uh-huh. So I don't like, I can't say like, oh, well, because I was such a video game nerd. It yeah. was more like, oh, finally I understand video games. There are just people inside the games living their lives with feelings. Like yeah. it needed to become personal <laughs> to me instead of a lot of like zeros and ones. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but like for me, I think, yeah, with, I, what I remember about um, the Star Wars series is I'm a little bit younger. So for me, Return of the Jedi, which is very true sure. for a lot of people. And that's why like people my age defend Return of the Jedi. Like, hey, <laughs> hold on. Was a I love very the Ewoks. Movie. The yeah. Ewoks are amazing. Was the was them on the like hover racers in the and in, in on Endor in the forest? Yeah, I would get my face as close <laughs> to the screen as I could to pretend this is pre Star Tours, which then was like the biggest thing in the world once right. it came out. Because they're, they the way they shot it, it was like if I just am close enough and I'm moving along with like how the camera's moving, I feel like I'm there. I'm pretty like it's the closest I'll get to feeling like I'm doing that activity, you know. <laughs> Oh, such a big deal. Now that I think about living in the world of Star Wars, it's like, well, what are your options? You can live on a desert planet. <laughs> you can live on an ice planet. But you could live you can on live a swamp planet. with Han. And yeah, but it's an old beat up spacecraft. <laughs> you know, it's not state of the art, you know. I guess I'm thinking of the cantina. I want to live in the <laughs> cantina with all those uh, creatures. That's It's your MASH future. You can absolutely live in the cantina. And I'll throw in the yeah. world of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Thank too. You. because Brilliant. Uh, because I just want to be in Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and drink that shitty chocolate river. Yeah. <laughs> I won't fall in like Augustus did. But, no. You know. that chocolate ri- the chocolate river was never interesting to me, although I did love hot chocolate. But I just said, <laughs> on think on someone else's podcast or on a live show, that, oh, was it, who was saying, was it, who was saying like, people, it's like, some I can't remember what it was, but it was someone talking about characters who make food seem really good. I think, oh, you know what? It was, I think it was just maybe on set. On, okay. You're the worst. Um, that's exactly what it was. Heather was talking about how someone, I don't, I don't listen, I don't know. Someone's going to be like, no, it was on a podcast. Because that's a hard thing to do. Is to talking eat, about eat making on something camera? look really good yeah. and how like, oh, this person always made this steak look really good and someone else said, oh, that's how I feel about this person eating this thing. thing. And I said, for me, it's scooping off that mushroom the mm. like whipped cream of the mushroom. Like, yes. fro- I assumed it was like frosting, like yes. straight up vanilla frosting off that mushroom and eating it. That's just like, and and then knocking the things off the trees that were like M&Ms because who that, doesn't want? That world of pure imagination moment where the door opens and you just oh, go yeah. into the factory of like yeah. still filled with wonder to this day. That's how we all want to imagine candy being made <laughs> and I guarantee you it's the opposite. Yes. It's somebody being like, we got another roach leg in this bag of M&M's. <laughs> It's terrible. Okay, Willy Wonka. Fabulous. Um, I'm going to continue with the movie uh, theme and say three characters from movies that uh, are like your buddy. Like you can call that person up whenever you want to hang out. It can be an animal. It can be, you know, an alien, whatever you want. uh, And you guys hang out and do whatever. Oh, sure. Well, Indiana Jones is an old buddy of mine. Wonderful. He's usually off, you know, looking for artifacts sure, around the world. Sure, he doesn't have a lot. Of, doesn't have a lot of time for me. He's not a yeah. giving friend, uh-huh. but you know. <laughs> but when he's on, baby. When he's on, he's yeah. on. I mean, it's just it, literally every ten minutes is a cliffhanger with this That's guy. Right. You know? <laughs> That's right. So it's That's so right. exciting, yeah. you know. And he can withstand anything, you know. Uh, submarines never submerge. You know? no, no, <laughs> All no. you need to do is get in a get in a refrigerator, and you That's won't right. die from the, from the Holocaust. That's right. You know? That's right. And just have a grim determination with a slight twinkle in your eye about everything that happens to you, and you'll be fine. Great, Indiana Jones. Who else? Uh, how about uh, oh, either Inigo Montoya or Wesley from The Princess oh, Bride. Great. Either oh, which one? Either of those swashbuckling characters. All right, I'll put them in as a pair. Yeah, we'll put them in as a pair. Uh, I just love that movie to death and we'll be talking about it much later on the Craigslist podcast. Okay, good, good. Very deep into that podcast. Very good to know. Spoiler there. Uh, I guess, you know, I'm going for like these adventurous, you you really are scoundrel (laughs) types, you know, I almost want to say Han Solo for the third, but I feel like I should cheat since I've already covered, uh, Harrison Ford. Um, Oh, who else is my buddy? <laughs> uh, well, let's throw in Woody from Toy Story. Then. Yeah. Just because it's... For a second, I thought you meant Woody from Cheers, and I was going to be like, let's you know what? throw I in Woody Harrelson more. from I The People vs. Larry Clint. <laughs> <laughs> and every character he's played since. <laughs> yes. He really was like... Oh, I'm going to kill Woody for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, amazing. Okay. Uh, third one is uh, real life places, but easy to get to. Um, well, even if it's far away in this in this alternate universe, you, we just sort of blink our, our eyes and you're there. Uh, three vacation home spots. Vacation home mm-hmm. spots uh, that are geographical places on earth? Geographical or? places on earth. Oh. Um. 
My sister just went to Bali. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that looks fantastic. Okay. I think just something on the Indian Ocean with those, you know, clear, mm-hmm. uh, with those like huts, those yep, low lying like huts. St- a couple that, of stilts are in the water almost. And, with that pristine, yeah. you know, blue mm-hmm. ocean. The thaw that know? gives me crippling agoraphobia, but it's totally fine. <laughs> Too wide open yeah, for you? I can't. I. Everything in me is like, look at that beautiful thing. And then some other part of me is like, run, run away. Yeah. <laughs> One of my goals in life uh, has to uh, be to go on safari in mm-hmm. Africa. Yeah. Um, because that was as another like childhood obsession. Is, well, I remember you had a album with your friend Toby called A Trip to Africa. I took a trip to I Africa. I took a trip to yes. Africa. Okay. A prophecy? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I have been to Africa, but it was Morocco, so it's like it, it's not like I see, I see. it's not that like, sounds good to me, Morocco. That was cool. Yeah, uh, but you didn't feel like you went. You were not if, looking at lions. It's not the in archetypal natural, like looking correct. out at the savannas, that's right. you know, of like oh oh that looks like that lion's gonna get that antelope, right, you know. That's right. So I'll say like South Africa or right. Tanzania, you know, right. like uh, just one of those uh, safari. Great. Huts overlooking the savannah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like I should do something maybe a little more cosmopolitan. Okay, all then. right. Um, so let's say a city I've not even been to, Prague. Perfect. <laughs> I haven't been either, but I know I'll like it. I've been to Vienna. I want to do like that Prague, Budapest, mm-hmm, uh, Vienna yeah. trifecta. Yeah, yeah, me too. And, and get to Eastern Europe a little more. Yeah. yeah. But I think Prague seems up my alley from great. what I know. It's great. Uh, okay, let's do, um, while I'm thinking about uh, delicious foods, because that immediately reminded me of this place called Cafe Prague that used to be in San Francisco where I would get this dessert that was like not that sweet. It almost was like a foca- like focaccia were dessert cake Ooh. that was just was very much that. It looked like a piece of focaccia, did not taste like that. And they'd sprinkle powder sugar and then um, whipped cream and fruit on it. But it, because it's porous in that Trabada kind of way, everything yeah. would kind of drizzle in. So you would almost be eating like cobbler. Anyway, that, Cafe Prague, shout out to Cafe Prague. That's some focaccia focaccia. Some focaccia focaccia. Shishé. <laughs> Uh, three foods that in this universe are not bad for you. In fact, they are, uh, nutritious and you can have them snap of a finger as specific as that cake I just described Mm. or just general, you know, deep dish pizza or something. My favorite food in the world to this day is just simple old pepperoni pizza. Right. And, uh, and, you know, New York style where you can fold up the slice, where it's greasy, <laughs> where the, the pepperoni and the cheese is greasy. It's just <laughs> it's dripping oil. Yeah. Yep, great. There was a place in our uh, my hometown called Astoria Pizza. Uh, and that's the exact pizza that I'm thinking of. Great. Uh, this is how the game is played. Briar's Mint Chocolate Chip Ice Cream, mm. I think, is the single best <laughs> Flavor of ice cream. Wonderful. Uh, is it a, is it a white ice cream or yes. a green ice cream? Yes. Interesting. Uh, yep, it, yep. So it's it's very milky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they don't put the food coloring in. More so. clean, more of that clean mint taste. Yes. Where you get more of the mint and but the milky yes but I feel like Baskin Robbins mint chocolate chip to me always tasted green yes somehow exactly and just tasted more like ice cream without the mint so much and then just the chocolate chips i've not had it in a while but the briars version is pure okay (laughs) (laughs) that's that voice i needed from you uh briars mint chocolate chip wonderful number three oh wow um 
I mean, this is, you're the ultimate list keeper. Like I've never <laughs> had someone who has a better relationship to lists than you maybe that I've known of. Uh, I think it's got to be my grandma's birthday cake. Great. Which is a white cake with a white frosting. Mm. And uh, after my grandma died, my aunt, uh, who is still alive, would make it for me. And it's a very specific recipe. They're mother and daughter, and only they know how to do it right. And it's just the most delicious, uh, milky, creamy Mm. frosting that you can imagine. It doesn't taste sugary or artificial. It just... Just tastes like tastes like dairy. How dare yeah. they not share that with the world? But good for them. Uh, wonderful. Um, okay. This is yeah. That's now that I'm thinking about these um, these adventuresome buddies that you have. I want to come up with a category that I don't know that I've ever come up with before, which is this is really going to call on your improv chops. Okay. I wouldn't ask this of just anyone. Uh, Only okay. one of the best, if not the best, improviser I know. Please. I want you to give me three national treasure esque Indiana Jones esque adventures heretofore unknown. Oh, three adventures, uh, one of which you'll end up going on uh, with your buddy in this um, fictitious world. So, give me something, some kind of like you know. I use national treasure because that is a specific high concept, but silly like. There's a treasure map on the back of the Constitution or Declaration of Independence or whatever. Yeah. It's something like that. Three <laughs> things that are like you find out that blank and then you go on this adventure to blank. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We uh, we played in the cul-de-sac a lot as kids and uh, sometimes things would go down the storm drain. Yes. Uh, do you remember that storm drain episode of Spontaneous Nation? Yeah. I was so envious of hearing Ham's yes. story of actually going into a Me storm too. drain. Me too, because there are underground tunnels under part of Tucson, and yeah. I desperately wanted to go to those tunnels. We lost so many balls down that <laughs> storm drain that we yes. just never saw again. Yeah. And then occasionally some dad would have a tire iron or something that he could lift the manhole cover yeah. off, and you can go down and kind of grab the thing. But uh, yeah, I would just love to have... Of a, a full out adventure in a, a storm drain. Okay, storm drain adventure number one. Fantastic. This is another thing that's actually kind of a real thing that I never got to do. Yeah. Apparently, there were all these old uh, steam tunnels uh, and access tunnels under the campus of William and Mary where I went to college. Okay, great. And it was something in the flat hat, the school paper that you would always see of just like, Two sophomores caught in tunnels. Yep, you know? yep, yep. So people would either like... Why not that sophomore? Yeah, they'd either get high and go down there. Yeah. They'd go down there to fool around or they'd just go down there to play D&D or yeah. explore or whatever. So you're going to have like a high stakes action yes. thing that happens in the William and Mary. But I think because it's Colonial Williamsburg, I think it would transport me back to oh, yeah. the uh, the era of uh, Thomas <gasps> Jefferson. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay, great. Uh, and then last one. <laughs> The last one. These, I mean, you've really come, you've delivered. You've really delivered. <laughs> well, uh, you know, the car that I drove in high school was a 1979 Lincoln Continental. Yes. A, a full out pimp mobile. Yes. So, and I, uh, I decked it out with fuzzy dice. Oh, of um, I had a state of the art eight track player. Amazing. Uh, so I would love it. And I, I think I own, only own three eight tracks, which were the queen, the game, the Eagles live <laughs> and I think like a Crosby stills is Nash and young thing, you know? Right. So, uh, I think that Toby and I can get in the 79 continental 
pop in one of those eight tracks and be transported uh, to the front row of, oh, of the concert of any of those 70s bands. Great. Great. That's almost like a hot tub time machine. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, okay. Love it, love it, love it. Pimpmobile okay. time machine. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Pimpmobile time this machine. This really helps with my uh, my pitching technique, I think. Doesn't it? You're really getting some great <laughs> log lines right now. Fantastic. All right, listen. I got to rip this band-aid off of my own heart, which is I <laughs> love your wife. Just a fantastic person. Now, in this MASH game, I do need you to pick three people. Okay. They can be characters from film or literature, mm. from any era. Can be, you know, Catherine Deneuve, circa blank. Uh, can be Natalie Portman, circa blank. It's not creepy. It can be because it's an mm. old, old crush. You're, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yes. It's, uh, nothing is off limits. Please don't pick a child. <laughs> I wasn't going to, but uh, now Shirley Temple. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just listened to Gorley's where he said that Amanda got mad at him for picking Michelle Williams. So That's right. I can't go there. Busted. I don't know if that'll push some button in Carla as well. Uh, I'll say Jane Fonda and Barbarella. Right. Or Cat Baloo, like that era yep. of Jane Fonda. Yep. Um I'll say uh, Rachel Weiss right now. I just think she's gorgeous. Um, And doesn't look 16, like looks her age and is just beautiful. Yeah, I think she's my age. She's 46. Yeah, she she looks great. Yeah. Um, hmm, Who is the third (laughs) lady in my life? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hmm. Hmm. I feel like I should go with, well, just thinking about the high school years, yeah. uh, feel like I should go with a swimsuit model. Oh, maybe. please do. Uh, please do. How about classic, uh, Stephanie Seymour. From, oh, sure. From Who Slight, did she end up with? Uh, well, she was with Axl Rose for a while because oh, okay. she's in all those Guns N' Roses right, right. videos. Which one but, was Rick Ocasek? Rick Ocasek married Paulina Poroskova. She's a good one too. too. Yeah. yeah. Definitely, like, the ladies from that era, Carol Alt, Kathy Ireland. Like Elle those. McPherson? Elle McPherson, sure, absolutely. We'll pick Stephanie Seymour, right? Yeah, now. we'll pick Stephanie Seymour circa, circa 92. Great. Those Great. are my swimsuit jam ladies. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, okay, uh, next category will be... Um, let's do, uh, I'm just staying with movie stuff. Um, let's do You Get to Live Your Life via... Uh, uh, this is a, a recent um, category, which is kind of the merging of two categories I've done from time to time. Okay. Within these three, you can pick, you can kind of switch it up. Your life, kind of through the director's eye or composer's ear of a film. So like Kikowski via Martin Scorsese or Kikowski <laughs> accompanied by John Williams or... Uh-huh. Ennio Morricone or the Eagles, you know, it could just be that your, your, your life soundtrack is, you know, Paul Abdul. I don't care. <laughs> I feel like, well, I mean, who wouldn't want to be in a Wes Anderson Absolutely. movie, Great you know, uh, especially for those of us on the spectrum because he's so centered and organized and every, and, and, and just the organization <laughs> of the shots are like, Oh, that's a painting. That's a painting. That's a painting. And it, because he loves that, like, 
like late 60s like British invasion type Absolutely. music you know Great. which is totally like music that's my jam as well yeah. you know I feel like his music is always totally on point yeah uh, absolutely for every movie absolutely um I guess it would be interesting to be in a Kubrick movie as well sure <laughs> maybe a little cold sure you know, maybe a little boring yeah. <laughs> at times, but it would Gotta look it would look it. amazing. Yes, it you would. Know? It would. Ever see Barry Lyndon? Yes. Boy. Super super boring so movie boring. shot all with natural light, oh, and every impressive. frame is like a fucking yeah. picture book. It really is. You know? it really but is. it's a slog to what get through. What a snore! Yes. <laughs> what a snore! Um. Just need one more. We got Wes. We got Stanley. Okay. Who's another director? Um, in my life. <laughs> in my, Who's another director? In, in my, my life. Oh. Well, let's go with Billy Wilder because I would like to uh, be that clever <laughs> at all times. I'd like to have a good comeback okay. for all situations. You yeah. know? So I, I'd love for Billy Wilder to write me some good snappy... That's snappy dialogue oh i love the billy wilder one that's really really good that's a good pull that's one that i would think of like two hours from now yeah oh i should have said billy wilder so congrats because it's all about the writing it's fantastic um okay and this is like alternate universe career so uh it's not to say that it takes up all your time but it's almost like oh you didn't know that i also own a restaurant or like oh you didn't know that i also you know it could it could be that you do you're a safariist or whatever Mm -hmm. three uh, imaginary things or three amazing things that I really do? <laughs> no, it will be in this world anything that you think is maybe unlikely for you to pursue as, oh, okay. a, as, a, as a second career. Uh, I'd love to be a play-by-play sports announcer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Specifically for the NBA. Okay, great. I great, think. great, great, great. Uh, I'd love to work with large mammals at the zoo. <laughs> okay, all right. Great. Uh, I am a zoo person. I think they're problematic, you know, and I understand that they're depressing for a lot of people. I do think uh, the educational aspects. I really go back and forth on it. Yeah, I'm I'm back and forth too, but I think uh, for people to see, you know, some of these beautiful animals and get the chance to do Mm -hmm. it probably trumps that, but there's many many things as an animal lover to be disturbed so by as, as well. So, yeah. but I would, uh, I would take good care of them. <laughs> I know you would. This is, this is this universe. So I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I think it'd be fun to be a, uh, to be a pediatrician, <laughs> <laughs> to be, to be that upbeat, well, that upbeat doctor with I a can't... lollipop, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's highly a, influential like making memories i had a great pediatrician that i did I too feel, i think that's I what feel, what it made me think of my, yeah. that, that that my as much as i have all of these phobias like i trust doctors like i do sort of not fear going yeah. to the doctor because i had asthma and allergies i was sure. in the doctor a lot yeah you know and i did have a really good pediatrician so that's, who was that's also my mother's place. doubles partner in tennis well, there you go. <laughs> He's going to take great care of you. Yeah. Um, okay. The I don't know if you know exactly how this works, but uh, lately some of my guests have been taking way too long. I okay. want you to know that this little doodle takes almost no time at all. So okay. feel free to tell me when to stop uh, starting now. Stop. Perfect. Um, 
not to dictate overly dictate your future. Uh, I'm going to do a little calculating. Come back, 100% guaranteed mash future. Okay. Okay. I'm really happy about this. Okay. Uh, I mean, listen, the universe was really looking out for you on this, in my opinion. But also, you didn't pick any stinkers, so you're <laughs> golden. Uh, I do need to tell you, you did end up with a shack, but it's in Bali. Oh, wow. What are you going to have? Some weird, like, McMansion on the water? No, it's a sweet little hut, just like you described. Okay, great. Good. So that's a wonderful place to visit. Um, I congratulate you on that. It, when you just want to totally go the opposite direction, although some of the places uh, in this realm are also humble, mm-hmm. you can pop right into Star Wars. Oh, nice, nice. Right in. <laughs> just get that world all over you. Or... Get into your magic pinmobile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Take yourself to some sweet concerts of some sweet 70s bands. Or go to your other job as a play-by-play announcer for the NBA. <laughs> All of these things are wildly impressive mm-hmm. to your very good buddies, Wesley and Inigo Montoya. <laughs> yes. Who are always going to have your back. <laughs> They're also going to be sharing your unlimited supply of Astoria, New York. I mean, Astoria pizza. I think of that as being New York. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of Astoria's New York style pepperoni pizza mm. covered in grease. <laughs> uh, I want you to share all of those things. You don't have to share your friends. Yeah. With your companion, Rachel Weiss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Inside of your version of your life as told by Wes Anderson. Love it. Oh man. Yeah, buddy. That is nailed it. That is ideal. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, uh, so the, the, the podcast is called Craigslist. Yeah. Um, you are uh, a frequent participator on spontaneous nation. You uh, are well known for your many television appearances, including drunk history, Drunk History Season 4 about season to come four. out. It's going to be released at the end of September. I just saw the trailer today, and it looks so great. That's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, and also, I'll be on a bunch of bajillion-dollar properties this fall, oh, too. Oh, great, great. Yeah. That, of course, is Cool Op Show. Uh, yeah. Ackerman produces it. So funny. Uh, Paul F. is on it. Uh, Tawny Newsom is on it. Um, a bunch of really great, funny people are on it. And uh, and it's on CISO. Check it out. Uh, it's great to know that you did it, too. I love that. Um and then uh, and on Twitter, people can also find out. At Kikowski on Twitter. At Kikowski, at Kikowski, guys. Very simple. And uh, the only thing that's left is for you to play us out with just a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Out on the road today, I saw a deadhead sticker on a Cadillac. Said, don't look back. You can never look back. I thought I knew what love was. What did I know? It felt his own potato. It felt let it go. <laughs> Thank you very much. The scatting was. I know some of the lyrics. Sublime. I'm so glad you didn't know all the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, Deadhead sticker in the Cadillac. So I mean, everyone remembers that. For being my boy of summer. <laughs> Craig Akowski, you're wonderful. Uh, guys, please make sure to follow him and follow his uh, wonderful doings. And I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. 
Now leaving Nerdist.com. 